Chapter Twenty One of Historical Tales, Volume Eight, Russian. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Historical Tales, Volume Eight, Russian, by Charles Morris. Chapter Twenty One, From the Hovel to the Throne. The reign of Peter the Great was signalized by two notable instances of the rise of persons from the lowest to the highest estate, ability being placed above birth, and talent preferred to noble descent. A poor boy, Menchikov by name, son of a monastery laborer, had made his way to Moscow, and there found employment with a pastry cook who sent him out daily with a basket of mince pies which he was to sell in the streets the boy was destitute of education but he had inherited a musical voice and a lively manner which stood him in good stead in proclaiming the merits of his wares he could sing a ballad in talking style and became so widely known for his songs and stories that he was often invited into gentlemen's houses to entertain company his voice and his wit ended in making him a prince of the empire a favorite of the czar and in the end virtually the emperor of russia being one day in the kitchen of a boyar's house where dinner was being prepared for the czar who had promised to dine there that day young menchikoff overheard the master of the house give special directions to his cook about a dish of meat of which he said the czar was especially fond, and noticed that he furtively dropped a powder of some kind into it, as if by way of spice. This act seemed suspicious to the acute lad. Noting particularly the composition of the dish, he betook himself to the street, where he began again to exalt the merits of his pies and to entertain the passers-by with ballads he kept in the vicinity of the boyar's house until the czar arrived when he raised his voice to its highest pitch and began to sing vociferously the czar attracted by the boy's voice and amused by his manner called him up and asked him if he would sell his stock in trade basket and all i have orders only to sell the pies replied the shrewd vendor I cannot sell the basket without asking my master's leave, but as everything in Russia belongs to your majesty, you have only to lay on me your commands. This answer so greatly pleased the Tsar that he bade the boy come with him into the house and wait on him at table, much to the young pie-vendor's joy, as it was just the result for which he had hoped. The dinner went on, Menchikov, waiting on the Tsar with such skill as he could command, and watching eagerly for the approach of the suspected dish. At length it was brought in and placed on the table before the Tsar. The boy thereupon leaned forward and whispered in the monarch's ear, begging him not to eat of that dish. Surprised at this request, and quick to suspect something wrong, the Tsar rose and walked into an adjoining room, bidding the boy accompany him. "'What do you mean?' he asked. "'Why should I not eat of that particular dish?' "'Because I am afraid it is not all right,' answered the boy. 
I was in the kitchen while it was being prepared, and saw the boyar, when the cook's back was turned, drop a powder into the dish. I do not know what all this meant, but thought it my duty to put your majesty on your guard. Thanks for your shrewdness, my lad, said the Tsar. I will bear it in mind. Peter returned to the table with his wonted cheerfulness of countenance, giving no indication that he had heard anything unusual. "'I should like your majesty to try that dish,' said the boyar. "'I fancy that you will find it very good.' "'Come sit here beside me,' suggested Peter. It was the custom at that time in Moscow for the master of a house to wait on the table when he entertained guests.' Peter put some of the questionable dish on a plate and placed it before his host. "'No doubt it is good,' he said. "'Try some of it yourself and set me an example.' This request threw the host into a state of the utmost confusion, and with trembling utterance he replied that it was not becoming for a servant to eat with his master. "'It is becoming to a dog if I wish it,' answered Peter, and he set the plate on the floor before a dog which was in the room. In a moment the brute had emptied the dish, but in a short time the poor animal was seen to be in convulsions, and it soon fell dead before the assembled company. "'Is this the dish you recommended so highly?' said Peter, fixing a terrible look on the shrinking boyar. So I was to take the place of that dead dog. Orders were given to have the animal opened and examined, and the result of the investigation proved beyond doubt that its death was due to poison. The culprit, however, escaped the terrible punishment which he would have suffered at Peter's hands by taking his own life. He was found dead in bed the next morning. We do not vouch for the truth of this interesting story. Though told by a writer of Peter's time, it is doubted by late historians. But such is the fate of the best stories afloat, and the voice of doubt threatens to rob history of much of its romance. The story of Menchikoff, in its most usual shape, states that Lefort, general and admiral, was the first to be attracted to the sprightly boy, and that Peter saw him at Lefort's house, was delighted with him, and made him his page. The pastry-cook's boy soon became the indispensable companion of the Tsar, assisted him in his workshop, attended him in his wars, and at the siege of Azov displayed the greatest bravery. He accompanied Peter in his travels, worked with him in Holland, and distinguished himself in the wars with the Swedes, receiving the order of St. Andrew for gallantry at the Battle of the Neva. In 1704, he was given the rank of general, and was the first to defeat the Swedes in a pitched battle. At the Tsar's request, he was made a prince of the Holy Roman Empire. As Prince Menchikov, the new grandee loomed high. His house in Moscow was magnificent. His banquets were gorgeous with gold and silver plate, and the ambassadors of the powers of Europe figured among his guests. Such was the bright side of the picture. The dark side was one of extortion and robbery, 
in which the favorite of the Tsar outdid in peculation all the other officials of the realm. Peculation in Russia, indeed, assumed enormous proportions, but this was a crime towards which Peter did not manifest his usual severity. Two of the robbers in high places were executed, but the others were let off with fines and a castigation with Peter's walking-stick, which he was in the habit of using freely on high and low alike. As for Menchikov, he was incorrigible. So high was he in favor with his master that the senators, who had abundant proofs of his robberies and little love for him personally, dared not openly accuse him before the Tsar. The most they ventured to do was to draw up a statement of his peculations and lay the paper on the table at the Tsar's seat. Peter saw it, ran his eye over its contents, but said nothing. Day after day, the paper lay in the same place, but the Tsar continued silent. One day, as he sat in the Senate, the Senator Tolstoy, who sat beside him, was bold enough to ask him what he thought of that document. Nothing, Peter replied, but that Menchikov will always be Menchikov. The death of Peter placed the favorite in a precarious position. He had a host of enemies who would have rejoiced in his downfall. These, who formed what may be called the old Russian party, wished to proclaim as monarch the grandson of the deceased Tsar. But Menchikov and the party of reform were beforehand with them, and gave the throne to Catherine, the widow of the late monarch. Under her, the pastry-cook's boy rose to the summit of his power, and virtually governed the country. Unluckily for the favorite, Catherine died in two years, and a new Tsar, Peter II, grandson of Peter the Great, came to the throne. Menchikov had been left guardian of the youthful Tsar, to whom his daughter was betrothed, and whom he took to his house and surrounded with his creatures. And now, for a time, the favorite soared higher than ever, was practically lord of the land, and made himself more feared than had been Peter himself. But he had reached the verge of a precipice. There was no love between the young Tsar and Mary Medchikov, and the youthful prince was soon brought to dislike his guardian. Events moved fast. Peter left Menchikov's house and sought the summer palace to which his guardian was refused admittance. Soon after, he was arrested, the shock of the disgrace bringing on an apoplectic stroke. In vain he appealed to the emperor. He was ordered to retire to his estate, and soon after was banished with his whole family to Siberia. This was in 1727. The disgraced favorite survived his exile but two years, dying of apoplexy in 1729. Four months afterwards, the new Tsar followed in death the man he had disgraced. The other instance of a rise from low to high estate was that of the empress herself, whose career was very closely related to that of Menchikov. There are various instances in history of a woman of low estate being chosen to share a monarch's throne, but only one, that of Catherine of Russia, in which a poor stranger, 
taken from among the ruins of a plundered town became eventually the absolute sovereign of that empire into which she had been carried as captive or slave it was in seventeen o two during the sharply contested war between russia and sweden that while charles the twelfth of sweden was making conquests in poland the russian army was having similar success in livonia and ingria among the russian successes was the capture of a small town named marienburg which surrendered at discretion but whose magazines were blown up by the swedes this behavior so provoked the russian general that he gave orders for the town to be destroyed and all its inhabitants to be carried off among the prisoners was a girl catherine by name a native of livonia who had been left an orphan at the age of three years and had been brought up as a servant in the family of m gluck the minister of the place such was the humble origin of the woman who was to become the wife of peter the great and afterwards catherine I, empress of russia in seventeen o two catherine then seventeen years of age married a swedish dragoon one of the garrison of marienburg her married life was a short one her husband being obliged to leave her in two days to join his regiment she never saw him again she could neither read nor write and like menchikoff never learned those arts she was however handsome and attractive delicate and well-formed and of a most excellent temper being never known to be out of humour while she was obliging and civil to all and after her exaltation took good care of the family of her benefactor gluck as for her first husband she sent him sums of money until seventeen o five when he was killed in battle it was a common fate of prisoners of war then to be sold as slaves to the turks but the beauty of catherine saved her from this after some vicissitudes she fell into the hands of menchikoff at whose quarters she was seen by the czar struck by her beauty and good sense peter took her to his palace where finding in her a warm appreciation of his plans of reform and an admirable disposition he made her his own by a private marriage in seventeen eleven this was supplemented by a public wedding catherine was soon able amply to reward the czar for the honor he had conferred upon her he was at war with the turks and through a foolish contempt for their generalship and military skill allowed himself to fall into a trap from which there seemed no escape he found himself completely surrounded by the enemy and cut off from all supplies and it seemed as if he would be forced to surrender with his whole force to the despised foe from this dilemma catherine who was in the camp relieved him collecting a large sum of money and presents of jewelry and seeking the camp of the enemy she succeeded in bribing the turkish general or in some way inducing him to conclude peace and suffer the russian army to escape peter repaid his able wife by conferring upon her the dignity of empress the death of the czar was followed as we have said by the elevation of his wife to the vacant throne 
principally through the aid of Menchikov, her former lord and master, aided by the effect of her seemingly inconsolable grief and the judicious distribution of money and jewels as presents. For two years, Catherine and Menchikov, whose life had begun in the hovel, and who were now virtually together on the throne, were the unquestioned autocrats of Russia. Catherine had no genius for government, and left the control of affairs to her minister, who was to all intents and purposes sovereign of Russia. The empress, meanwhile, passed her days in vice and dissipation, thereby hastening her end. She died in 1727, at the age of about forty years. In the same year, as already stated, the man who had grown great with her fell from his high estate. End of chapter 21 Recording by Linda Johnson